Good evening, everyone. It's nice to see you all. A couple of faces have returned to us. Um, anyone here for the first time? Any newcomers? Welcome, welcome. And Kali and Luke are back in the house. Great to have you guys. Um, visiting family and doing their summer tour. Um, for those who don't know, it's my birthday today. Uh, thank you, thank you. Um, if you didn't bring a present tonight, I still receive them next week. So, just yeah, it's it's my love language. So, um, it's <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> um, so last week um, we had Jonathan here, and I think most of you were here for that. Um, I'm glad you got to see someone that this church supports. Um, yes, uh, one, of our, one of our missionaries. Um, and it was such a great message on making the gospel alive and real through people encountering the power of Jesus and the reality of Jesus. Um, those stories of, of healing um, were amazing. Um, my, my son, some of you know my son Joe is, is at the camp with Jonathan, um, and he, he was on doing the street evangelism um, on a few of the occasions with Jonathan, and, um, and Joe saw someone healed of physical sickness for the first time um, through laying on of hands. Um, I'll let him tell the story. It's a pretty cool story. Um, but that um, obviously had a huge impact on the person who got healed, but had a huge impact on Joseph as well. So... Um, you know, we might be tempted to think, well, God doesn't move in places like secular France. You know, but it's funny. You know, he just he he can move anywhere, and he likes to do that. You know, um, and so I just I wanted to I wanted to before I get to tonight's sermon, I just wanted to um, just paint a little picture of kind of where we where we're going over the, over the next few months. Um, we are going to keep talking about humanity. Uh, for a little, little while longer. Um, Tyler keeps telling me we haven't finished yet, so blame him. Um, but um, at the end of September, so please put this into your calendars. Um, at the end of September, that last weekend, we have uh, a good friend of ours called Richard Fothergill coming. Um, now, he hasn't quite booked his plane ticket yet, but it looks like it's that weekend. Um, and so on, probably on the Friday and Saturday, we're going to spend some time just looking at what it means to walk with the Holy Spirit. What, is, what does it mean to be naturally supernatural? Um, Richard is one of the most um, prophetic people I know. Uh, he's very well trained, theologically trained. He's a priest in the Anglican church. But he, his, his prophetic gift is incredible. But more importantly, his life of just living with the Spirit, the submission to the Spirit. And so we want to spend some time. You know, it's part of our DNA. But we haven't done a sort of focused... A uh, few sessions on what that actually looks like. What does it mean for us not just to pray for healing here, but to get prophetic words for people at Taylor or you know in Walmart or on the street, whatever you know? But we actually start to live out more and more the kingdom. So, um, well, you know, we'll, we'll have more details later. But our, our real hope is for some education, but but mostly activation, um, and we get excited about operating in the gifts of the Spirit. Okay, so 
Get excited, put that in your calendars, invite friends. Um, it's not going to be just for Kingdom Life, for anyone in local churches who wants to attend. Um, and we actually, we had hoped to have Richard come out in the spring. That was our original plan. Um, and everything was looking good, and then some stuff came up, and you had to cancel. Um, but, you know, God's timing is always right. And, and I think the this, this series on humility, as well as the other, other series that we've done, but I know some of you guys, you know, you thought we might have finished this by now, but, you know, we're still doing it. Um, that this, is, this is about cultivating our hearts and cultivating this community that we can be a place where the Spirit can move and where we can sustain the presence of God, where we can love deeply and not take offense. And humility really is key to so many of these things. So I'm not going to keep saying the same joke, you know, if, like we'll stop when we are finally humble. Because um, obviously, you know, the truth is we're never going to get there, are we? We're never going to be completely humble. Some of us are clearly further down the road than others. <laughs> yes, you go, Matt. Um, but we never get there. But, you know, but it's, it's, it's not one of those things that we despair at. Are we never going to reach perfection or holiness or humility? Because there's this constant reward that's built in. That the more we pursue humility, the more we encounter Jesus. The more we encounter Christ. And that should draw us into more. Into more striving after humility. And I, tonight I was actually going to... Um, I was actually planning on preaching on forgiveness... And um, I was quite excited about it and how it ties into humility. Um, and I, I, just, I just felt one of those pauses, you know, and the Lord saying, not yet. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm wanting to press in. I've, I've used this, I've talked about joy, you know, the joy of humility. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to emphasize this a little bit more. And so I'm not going to say anything, uh, perhaps, that I haven't said already in other, in other ways, but, but just seeking that we need, to, we, need to, we need to really claim this and desire it. Um, because it's a strange thing, and I've actually, I called the sermon the strange joy of humility. So to remind us of some scriptures, it's always good to hear what's the word of God says, Luke 14 and Luke 18, you know when Jesus uses the same phrase in multiple stories, he must be really serious about it. But this line that we know well, for whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Luke 14, Luke 18. James, the brother of Jesus, in 4.10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. In the words of Peter in 1 Peter 5, ones that should maybe scare us, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. None of us want to be resisted by God. None of us are going to win that battle. And, you know, Scripture 
I talked about this two weeks ago, but you know, Scripture calls us to all sorts of difficult things, things that are hard for our flesh, for our humanity, love your enemies, rejoice when you're persecuted, those sorts of things. And it also seems to have contradictions at times, um, apparent contradictions. And humility maybe is the one that is hardest for us because of our humanity and our flesh, but Jesus basically says to us, you need to lose your life if you want to save it. And it's such a contradiction. If you cling on to it, if you try and make it what you want it to be, you will lose it. But the more that you give it up, the more you will find it. It's a line, I guess, that could have been in Star Wars. I don't know, Yoda sort of line. But we give up in order to receive back. So let's read this very <laughs> famous uh, story about Paul and the thorn in his flesh. So 2 Corinthians 12. And I'm going to read from verse 7. Now, Paul doesn't use the word humility in this passage, but it is clearly, it clearly flows through it. So Paul says, unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches in needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Another two contradictions. When I'm weak, I'm strong. And I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecution in distresses. Not that I tolerate them. Not that I fight my way through them. Not that I am hard-nosed. Although he probably was. I take pleasure in them. There is a joy for Paul in these things, even as he suffers them. So, you know, theologians, there's so many commentaries on, on this and what this thorn might be, and all sorts of people think different things. Paul is not clear. There's a few things he does say, though. Um, it seems to be that he's given it to resist pride that he has had such a level of revelation of the Lord, so much measure of God's power, that the Lord allows this thing to come into his life. That he would not be exalted above measure. And I, I wonder, and it's not, he doesn't say this, but I wonder to what extent that this was an embarrassment to him. This man who had healed so many people, had seen the glories of God, had been into heaven and seen what heaven looks like and seen the Lord, that he had this thing that he couldn't beat. 
And I, I don't know if that um, bothers anyone else. You know, I'm really competitive. I, I want to win. It kind of it, it would be a weird contradiction for me. And some of you have studied, you know, men and women of the faith who have done amazing things in the power of the Lord. And it's it's amazing how often there's this there's a suffering that they experience. They may see thousands healed, but they have a child who dies. Or they have a child who's deaf or something, you know. That God makes it clear that this is not about them. That this is about him. And Paul, he is hard-nosed. We know this from Scripture. He's a strong man. He could have wrestled with the Lord. He could have persisted. He says he asked three times. But then he humbles himself. And he realizes that if he will not just tolerate this, but take pleasure in this, that this is the Lord's will, that I cannot have everything that I want, that he makes himself low before the Lord, that he actually gets more of Jesus. That in his weakness, he finds strength. He actually encounters something different about Christ that he didn't know before. And it's his humility that allows him to see that, that he doesn't spend years and years and years wrestling and trying to beat it. But he submits to the Lord and the Lord's will. Others might look at him, people in his community might look at him and say, oh, well, he's a bit of a failure. Oh, he's a bit weaker than we thought. But he boasts. (laughs) He boasts in his weakness. He boasts in the thorn. You know, some people have said maybe it was an issue that he had with lust. And, you know, I don't think so. I don't think that he would have boasted in, in a sin. I think this was some sort of infirmity. And he would boast in it because ultimately his ministry was about the Lord and he encounters more of Jesus. Andrew Murray, in, in his book on humility, there's a few sections of the book that I haven't spoken about yet because I, I, I'm, not, I'm not ready to. They're too difficult. Um, I might before we finish the series. But one of the things that he says is that every Christian, every earnest Christian will go through two phases. So there's other phases if you're not earnest, I guess. But if you actually are an earnest Christian and you want to know the Lord and you're seeking him, you will go through two stages with regards to humility. The first is that you will be on your knees and you will ask the Lord for humility. And you will appreciate the glory and the beauty of it. And you, and you can see the value of it and you see the promises of it in Scripture. But in the secret heart of hearts in you, you will be asking the Lord to please not bring anything that will actually humble me. Because it is a little scary. So even if we might say the words and we might think the thoughts actually secretly in the heart of hearts, we like the idea of it, but we don't actually love it. And God knows our hearts, obviously. And we have to, we have to as Christians, we have to move from this, sort of this trepidation, this, this, this fear, to a love of humility. Murray, Murray calls humility the beauty of the Lamb of God. He calls it the joy of heaven. Because it's that characteristic of Christ that allowed him to come and die for us. It's the beauty of the Lamb of God. 
So in the, this, this first stage that we, that we might have as Christians, that, that we see humility as a burden. Oh, maybe I can get there. Maybe I can wrestle my way. Maybe I can strive. Maybe I can learn a lesson somehow. But Lord, not too much. And Mary says that we, uh, we have to get to this, this place where we start to see it as a joy and we start to see it as a pleasure. That humility is a pleasure for us to pursue. That it becomes this spontaneous expression of our hearts. Because we know as we pursue it that we will find more intimacy with Christ. Isaiah 57, 15 says this. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit. We worship this God, and so this worship tonight was amazing, wasn't it? This incredible sense of the worthiness of God. And it's amazing to sing it and to sense the Spirit moving as we worship and joining in that worship. That He is worthy. He is worthy of all of us. He's worthy of everything. And then sometimes we start to think about things like humility, and we think, is He, oh, uh, everything? Is he truly worthy of everything, of every part of us? He is the one who is high and lofty and holy. And he says, I will dwell with him who is of a humble spirit. And so humility itself is a, is a, is a difficult word for us, maybe. But you know, Murray loves to use the word humiliation. And I've said, like, I, I, I detest that word. I don't want to be humiliated. It's, it's a horrible thought, isn't it? But what if to achieve humility, the only way to get there, the only way to be stripped of the flesh, the pride, the arrogance, the humanity is to be humiliated? And what if I can have such a, a knowledge of the joy, of the outcome of humility, the joy of intimacy with Christ, that even humiliation becomes a joy? In the same way that Paul could say, I celebrate my infirmities. I celebrate my persecutions because I'm finding more of Christ in my weakness. And nothing, nothing becomes out of bounds for us to actually meet Jesus in humility. And and this is not saying that we are walkovers or anything like that. This is a, a calling of us into meekness, this is calling us into the strange joy of humility. That literally everything can become a, a vehicle for Jesus to meet me and to bring my heart closer to him, no matter how painful. Which is partly why I wanted to talk about this tonight before talking about forgiveness, because that can be a tough topic. But everything God can use for our good if we love him. Now, I don't know about you, but you know, when I look at Paul, I see this, I see this man who's really, you know, he, he is strong and he's courageous, but he lets go. 
And it's exhausting to try and control everything and try and win everything. Don't you think? I know, I find it exhausting. And there's this, this joy in giving up, in surrendering all things to Jesus. Not giving up, but giving in to him and his leadership and his sovereignty and his ways. Allowing him to manifest in us. Mary says this, we shall find that the deepest humility is the secret of the truest happiness, of a joy that nothing can destroy. Because our joy is no longer rooted in our control, our achievements, our popularity, our reputation. It's in Him. It's in knowing Him. And in that, we are free to have joy to walk in joy and to walk in freedom. And he is the prize. Um, <laughs> it's so much that we talk about when you talk about humility, um, and it's like so much of the gospel, you can talk about things, but until people actually experience it, it's, you don't know what you don't know until you know you don't have it. Is that the expression? Something like that. Okay. You can talk to people about the love of God and they can think about it, but when the love of God actually meets you, you realize, I actually had no idea what the love of God was like or what the peace of God was like. So, so much of this has to be experienced. It has to be tangible to us. It can't just be thoughts. It's something we have to, we have to crave. We have to desire and, I, and you know, I, can't, I can't make that happen. That is always on the Lord. Um, but the amazing thing about God's mercy is he doesn't, have, he doesn't need us to achieve humility. He, do, he needs us to say yes, to keep saying, yes, Lord, teach me. Yes, Lord, teach me. Yes, Lord, I give up. I give in to you. I give in to your ways. Will you, will you show me more of you? And then he's in charge of the process. He's in charge of bringing these opportunities to be humble Maybe even opportunities to be humiliated. And opportunities for us not to react in the flesh or in control or worry about a reputation or whatever it is, but to let him be let him be in charge, let him be our defense, let him act. Jesus says in Matthew twenty three, twelve, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, if we were a good, I guess, prosperity gospel church, is that an oxymoron? I don't know. So, but if we, you know, I believe the Lord loves to bless. So I can read that and say, well, if I humble myself, the Lord will exalt. And I could put all sorts of things on that, can't I? Well, he might exalt me with reputation, or he might exalt me with wealth, or um, what else can he exalt us with? All sorts of human pleasures, the desires of our hearts. There's some things that scripture promises us that are, are good. Um, and God is free to do that, and he often does. Bless. Abundantly. But the greatest way that God can exalt us 
is to give us more of him. The best gift that God has is himself. It's so funny how scripture, <laughs> David, you know, the psalmist, in one psalm he writes, we are just, we're, we're like dust. Man is dust. Man like a flower. Beautiful, gone, pfft, no one remembers. And he can also write that who are we, the Father, that you think of us, the Son of Man. You have elevated us just shy of the angels and placed everything under our feet. Another seeming contradiction. If we humble ourselves, God will exalt us. And the greatest exaltation is Him. It opens us. It opens us up to the humility that Christ modeled. It opens us up to His heart. And that's the way, that's the way that we can receive more of his indwelling in us. And I've said this probably 20 times over the last few weeks. But we have to get this. The glory, the, the prize that Jesus offers is more of him. We will only truly find him when we lose ourselves. When we're truly willing to look at the awfulness in ourselves, the pride and control and religion and offense, the things that we've talked about in the last few months. And just and say enough. We have this choice to walk, to keep walking with these things that are of the kingdom of the world and are manifestations of the flesh, or we can lay them down. And we can lay them down in humility and say, I don't want that path anymore, Lord, I want you. I truly want you. And you truly are worthy that I will lay down everything. And in your heart, you might say, like in my heart, I say, yes, Lord, I want that. Five minutes later, one thing might pop up. <laughs> Lay it down. Lay it down. If we, if, we, if we start to see humility and even humiliation as opportunities for more of Christ, then humility becomes an, a treasure that we guard. And the things that are opposed to humility, pride and arrogance and control and offense and these things, they become things that we hate in a holy way, that we have no tolerance for because we know that they are destructive of the most beautiful thing, this treasure that leads us to Christ. And it's like that scripture where Jesus is um, he's standing at the door and he's knocking and he's saying, will you open? Will you let me in to come and eat with you? And, you know, and in these moments, these huge moments in life where we, are, where we become Christians, where we recognize Jesus as our Savior. But there are these moments throughout our faith, our walk, when we have these choices and, and, and Jesus is saying, will you humble yourselves? I'm here. Will you humble yourselves? Because if you do, I'll come in. And I will be elevated in you and you will be exalted because you will have more of me. 
and the more of me will be my kingdom coming. And all that that promises. And I'm, I'm so excited in September, we're going to talk about the Spirit, and we're going to talk about the Lord moving in power, and we're going to talk about His love, and we're going to talk about getting out of this building and, and seeing Him move. But, but I want this. I want this desire for humility to be so deeply embedded in us, hammered down in us. And, it, and it, it's for all of us. It starts with the leaders, and we have to get it right. So call Matt to account whenever you see pride, okay? But let's, let's pursue it together. So can we pray together? And then worship team, the leader of riches, somewhere. <laughs> then we'll, we'll have time for a final song. But let's pray together. As part of this, this prayer, I, I want this prayer to be another chance for us to say, yes, Jesus, full revelation of him. Um, but maybe, maybe the Lord will speak to a few of us about a thorn in our flesh, something that we're trying to control, something that we tr- we're tired of trying to fix, or something that's going on around us where we fear humiliation and we're trying to stop it. And if, if any of that comes up, um, just release it to him. Give him control. Jesus, you, you are the humble one. You are the model that we follow who gave up all things to die for us. And Lord, I, I, I know that you are promising us the most beautiful thing, which is more of you. More intimacy and deeper relationship with you, Jesus. The promises, Lord, that you made on earth are so wonderful. The promises of unity with you, the promise of you and the Father living in us, the promises of your, of your Spirit filling us and leading us into all truth, the promises of life like a river flowing out of us. Lord, we want... We want to see these promises manifesting in us, Lord, and around us and through us. Lord, would you, would you forgive us for the ways that we've tried to make this about works, about our holiness, and we stepped away from your grace. Would you forgive us where our, our flesh has drawn us into pride and arrogance and control and, and fake religion? 
Jesus, we lay these things down. We lay down trying to protect ourselves from all things. We say yes to the humility of your kingdom. The humility of your heart. The the beauty of the Lamb. We ask, Lord, that you would do the work. That you would give us a revelation of the joy of humility, the joy, Jesus, of knowing you and experiencing you, falling deeply in love with you, the one who is worthy. And we do, Jesus, we declare you worthy of all of us. And however imperfectly we can manage it, Lord, we humble ourselves at your feet. Have your way, Jesus. Come into us, Jesus. Have your way. Father, let this be a house that is humble before your throne. Let this be a house where your spirit is poured out. We love you, Jesus. The delight of our hearts. We praise you and we worship you.